it's weird it feels weird to say it because you're you know again as women I think a lot of the times it's like oh you in it, the culture is very much more oh humility and you know be understated and this and that but you know if I can do my job exactly better than another person mm-hmm. then I'm gonna I'm gonna say it yeah, <laughs> like, as you and you know um, belief in myself that that hey it's not by fluke you know oftentimes there's a there's this especially with women every woman that I know who is in my circle who is highly highly educated doing incredible things they have had at one point or another this moment of oh I, I don't do I deserve this and in and and that imposter syndrome of like do I really deserve to belong here and did I really earn it and for me like the biggest thing is to just be like yeah you did mm-hmm. your name is on that degree mm-hmm. your name is on that roster for your job your name is on this or that project like hello and welcome to another installment of let's talk about it For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Let's Talk About It is our educational mini-series where we sit down and talk with professionals about issues surrounding modern slavery and human trafficking. So today I'm joined by Sarah Ilhak, our Monitoring, Evaluation and Learning Manager at Hope for Justice. So before we get stuck in talking about data, monitoring and evaluation, can you give me a brief description of what your role entails? Brief description. Okay, um, so my role is that of monitoring, evaluation, and learning manager, and essentially what that means is that I'm responsible for understanding the effects of our programs across the globe, figuring out what works, what doesn't, and how we can improve what we do. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Very summarized. I love it. <laughs> um, so with monitoring and evaluation, um, kind of deep, deep diving into that a little bit more. Yeah. What, is, what does that really mean? Like what exactly do you monitor? What exactly do you evaluate? Great question. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> monitoring is defined as kind of an understanding of the processes and in terms of progress. Mm-hmm. So monitoring would be kind of like um, for children in the lighthouse, for, for example, you want to monitor their well-being while they're in the lighthouse, mm-hmm. when they leave the lighthouse, after they've integrated into their homes to figure out how their well-being is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and evaluation generally looks at the merit, worth, and value of something. So we try to look at evaluation as it's user-focused, it's time-bound, um, it's about understanding the overall effects and impacts rather than, okay, how are things going versus how did things go. Mm-hmm. There's that distinction there. So yeah. how are things going is around monitoring and how did it go is around evaluation. So mm-hmm. when you put those two together, often what happens is that you try and get this full picture of what are we doing mm-hmm. as an organization? How is it working? Whether good, bad, um, what needs to be improved, what aspects need to be improved. And then you can kind of I always picture it as kind of like a flow chart where mm-hmm. if this thing is going well, you want to understand why and then you want to do more of it. Mm-hmm. And then if something isn't going well, then you want to understand why and then course correct and figure out how to improve or change or stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so monitoring evaluation is just one of those things that's absolutely essential to any any organization, any um, intervention focused, um, you know, I guess organization is is the right word, but anything mm-hmm. anything that you do, you want to know that you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. or whether you're doing the the thing that makes sense or the thing that's relevant to 
our, mm -hmm. you know, population that we're trying to reach. So essentially monitoring and evaluation is just, I feel, one of the critical functions in an organization that helps us to understand how we can do more of the good thing and less of the not so good thing mm -hmm. in very, very simple terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And it, it, it's very important to be able to understand what's working well so you can replicate that and then, yeah. you know, course correct for, for any any errors that you see as well. Yeah. So I guess it's a continuous process then in terms of that, where the learning comes in, where you're, you're learning from these programs and, yes. and processes. Do you have any like uh, examples or maybe success stories of, of things that you've seen in the past where, you know, you've maybe taken something and either course corrected or you've, you've seen something that was um, maybe unexpected that you didn't think would work, but it did based on kind of the things that you've measured? Um, so it's where where I sit. So if I if I can just talk about the structure yeah, of, of, of monitoring evaluation, how it works in Hope for Justice at the moment is that well, we talk about monitoring evaluation as M&E, yep. but we call it monitoring evaluation, accountability and learning. Mm. So it encompasses all those elements that you've just mentioned as well. It's mm -hmm. not just about, you know, okay, we're measuring change or measure, measuring success. Mm -hmm. It's also about being accountable to donors who mm -hmm. are funding our projects. It's being accountable to our staff who are putting in the work. And it's being accountable to um, the populations that we seek to serve. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing those things, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, then the learning aspect of it is is integrates kind of everything. So mm -hmm. as a function, meal or mel or however you want to call it, as a function, it's integrated into the project life cycle and it works alongside things like institutional funding, trust and grants funding, um, and policy change and policy development. And I always see that relationship as, um, it's, it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reciprocal and responsive mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. And what that means really is that, for example, if um, we have a funding opportunity that's coming from an institutional um, uh, source, like a government or a big fund or something, mm -hmm. the policy side of things will inform what are the issues that need to be addressed, mm -hmm. you know, and then the institutional funding, the call will have certain criteria attached to it that it needs to meet X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Then the monitoring evaluation side will help to inform what the project was, what we've already done that mm -hmm. could be funded. Mm -hmm. And if we haven't done it, then what we're going to do in order to strengthen the knowledge and strengthen the field of mm -hmm. information a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So as a function, Merle, Meal, Mel, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. um, monitoring evaluation as a function is one of those critical things at Hope for Justice that allows us not only to know how we how we do the work and, and what works and what doesn't, but it also helps us to, um, helps us to enhance our position as a fighter of, of slavery, you know, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. as an anti-slavery organization, mm -hmm. there's a lot of competition. Um, there's a lot, and I, sorry, do this only because, uh, yeah. I don't feel that we should be competing. I think yeah. that everybody is, is we're working towards the same thing. We want to see the end of slavery. We want to support people. Mm -hmm. um, but in this field of competition, what you have to do is set yourself apart. Mm -hmm. And what sets you apart um, is things like really good evidence, really good research, mm -hmm. really good information, yeah. really great programs, mm -hmm. um, and then how you run those as an organization as well. Mm -hmm. So um, that I hope that kind of <laughs> gives you a bit all. more yeah, on the relationship and in terms of the function. And mm -hmm. so um, examples of, of like success stories or changes would be with the GFEMS grant that we had. Uh, it was a project that lasted approximately two years in Uganda. 
um, and the GFEMS funded um, lighthouse work as well as the advancement of the development of uh, survivor care guidelines um, for the government and beyond and civil society organizations. Um, and uh, and also we, we did a test run with one of the lighthouses as a center of excellence. So we had a bunch of people um, who are, uh, you know, social workers or wardens or, you know, reintegration social workers come in and learn. Uh, it was an immersive learning center that mm -hmm. we had done. And so all of the evidence and, and information from there. So, for example, it would be things like we were working with um, the fund was specifically for uh, children who had been in commercial sexual exploitation. And so um, there was a lot of kind of nuance and targeted information and data we were getting about that. Mm -hmm. um, the survivor care guidelines development was um, a collaborative project between Hope for Justice and the Rights Lab, who were, you know, co um, mm -hmm. uh, co-applicants or not co-applicants, we were lead and they were our partners. Mm -hmm. And then we also had PLA, which is Platform for Labor Action mm -hmm. um, in Uganda, who are an organization that work and they do uh, vocational training and apprenticeship type opportunities for Brilliant. children um, who have been reintegrated home and, and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, so really, I mean, without going into an excruciating amount of detail about, about the project, um, one of the ways in which... Um, the evaluation activities in general uh, helped and to understand how we can run this program in the future is that it's provided, you know, the success that we had from running Mary Lighthouse as an immersive learning center mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, that we got a lot of feedback, feedback activities and, you know, questionnaires and things like that, mm -hmm. that we do with participants helps us to understand how well mm -hmm. that model works. Mm -hmm. um, people were retaining their information. People are applying their learning. These are all things that are so valuable. Mm -hmm. And so by learning that one of the things that's now happening is that our program design for some of our lighthouses in the future is going to have that in mind. Mm -hmm. to establish centers of excellence for practice uh, of, you know, good survivor care that is trauma-informed, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that is um, sensitive, that is responsive to the needs of the beneficiary group. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's kind of where we're going. So that would be kind of one example that I can give you of, you know, evaluation in action um, and how it's kind of helping to shape the programmatic changes that we want to mm -hmm. make, um, especially with all the changes happening right now and mm -hmm. in programs, um, it is important that we that we learn and we figure out what works best and mm -hmm. how we can continue to do mm -hmm. things that are just going to go from strength to strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just being really, really efficient as well, um, mm -hmm. making sure that everything that we do is, you know, trauma-informed, like you said, and research-based research so that we know that it works, you know, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah. Um, and I guess talking about information and talking about you know, research and, and data and, and kind of all the all the information that goes into that. Yeah. Um, we know that from our last episode with, with Philippa and mm -hmm. Alistair that modern slavery is really, really hard to pinpoint as a, as a field. It's a hidden crime. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that happens behind closed doors and it's really hard to estimate the actual significance um, and prevalence of the issue mm -hmm. all over the world. So my question for you is, how do you think um, resources, you know, data and information in general is helpful to understand that that problem in in a, an issue that is so underrepresented and, and yeah. hidden. I think it's one of the biggest challenges of the field to have that lack of understanding about how pervasive or how prevalent the issue is mm -hmm. is a big problem because if you don't know what you are working with then you don't know what you can do. Mm -hmm. And so one of the one of the key areas where a lot of funding opportunities do come is around oh conduct a prevalence study conduct a prevalence study 
the issue with conducting prevalence studies is that they're extremely expensive because yeah. even if you went into a region in a country in order for you to understand the prevalence of you know whether it's uh whether it's bonded labor whether it's actual you know human trafficking from one place to another mm -hmm. whether it's sexual exploitation it has so many forms you know mm -hmm. it's not the same as um as you know a health related issue that you would be able to just test people and say do you have the disease or do you not mm -hmm. it's a very different beast mm -hmm. and so you know one of the one of the ways in which um evaluation activities can help is to is to understand is to is to do scoping studies is to do um, estimations is to do enumerations you know several years ago now hope for justice had done an enumeration study about street children um, in mm -hmm. Uganda um, again it was a project in Uganda it was funded um, I can't remember who it was funded by but it was an enumeration study that took ages to do and it was it was you know we found that the prevalence of street children in Uganda was so much higher than we thought that it was. Mm -hmm. um, but to be able to do that at a, and that was only in kind of Kampala and a couple of other areas, right? And mm -hmm. Uganda is a relatively small country and, you know, in comparison to everywhere else that slavery occurs. Mm -hmm. So the value of doing activities that are related to monitoring, evaluation or research or learning or any of those things is, I, I can't stress it enough. And mm -hmm. I think that one of the key issues is that there's not enough money available to do mm -hmm. these kinds of studies. As soon as somebody's asking you or in a, in a funding call, we get it all the time mm -hmm. that um, a funder will say, oh, we'd like a prevalence study done. And it's like we, we actually mm -hmm. physically cannot do that with the limited amount of funds mm -hmm. that are being offered. Yep. And so often these projects get scoped down and changed and these projects get, you know, then the, the shift changes and then it ends up becoming more responsive rather than preventative. So a lot mm -hmm. of our programming then focuses on once a person has been removed from a situation of exploitation or once we've uh, engaged them in some way already so we already know mm -hmm. but that's where i think hope for justice does an incredible job with all the prevention work that we do because mm -hmm. prevention and i don't just mean providing training and awareness raising which are huge and so important mm -hmm. but it's also around you know the work that we do with the self-help groups and the um the village savings and loans associations and mm -hmm. the child well-being clubs and the community conversations and the dialogues and mm -hmm. all of these things is what that enables you to do is yeah sure maybe you might not understand the prevalence but the assumption is that you will reduce the prevalence mm -hmm. by doing all of these activities mm -hmm. and that word that i've just used in terms of an assumption is one of the key things that mm -hmm. evaluation and mo monitoring evaluation allows you to do mm -hmm. to understand that this will work if this thing happens mm -hmm. and if this thing doesn't happen then this could happen and then and then it just turns into this big you know mm -hmm. big whole mess that then is then you know people like me have to turn into things like theories of change which explain mm -hmm. what we're going to do how we're going to do it what it's going to result in mm -hmm. so we're talking about this overall issue and the multiple different approaches that you can have to it um in your experience and in your you know day to day what kind of ways do you think could we do differently within that role? I think one of the one of the key um, aspects to understanding either prevalence or solution building or what works and what doesn't is to just collaborate mm -hmm. with other organizations who are either doing similar work, collaborating with research organizations that are specifically targeting issues of modern slavery, um, who are trying to study it, trying to understand it. There are, you know, in the evaluation space, there's so many resources that I can't even, like, I couldn't even count, you know, the, 
I, without naming so many of them, you know, one of the one of the kind of key things that has happened in the last couple of years is the um, establishment of uh, it's a UK based thing. It's called the Monitoring Evaluation for Trafficking in Persons, mm -hmm. and it's like an online community of ME professionals and program professionals and um, all of these people who are working uh, mm -hmm. in anti trafficking and and modern slavery efforts. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if it's UK based, but it's an online space. It's a co collaborative community where we share ideas and information and mm -hmm. programmatic successes and they have conferences and everything. So I think that sharing of information, mm -hmm. resources, tools, guides, um, and data sets is critical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that can really help us, um, although I would never claim to be an expert in it, is just technological advancement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like... Um, uh, geodata, um, anything that has anything to do with, you know, the hotspot mapping that a lot of organizations do, which we don't typically do. Mm -hmm. um, at, we, meaning Hope for Justice, doesn't do, but we have access to. Mm -hmm. So these are things that help us to understand, you know, it helps us to understand prevalence. It helps us to understand issues. So mm -hmm. slowly we're able to take this hidden crime mm -hmm. and make it more visible and make it more understandable because there are so many facets as well right you see all these statistics on you know however many millions of people are in in, in slavery and mm -hmm. then some people will say this many people are in trafficking and then the mm -hmm. definitions of these things become convoluted mm -hmm. so i think also just having a kind of a common understanding of what we mean when we say modern slavery or mm -hmm. human trafficking or and or, you know, all of these things is a really important thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think for me personally, it's any time an individual is being exploited for any reason mm -hmm. that qualifies. Mm -hmm. And exploitation has so many different facets and forms that, you know, it, it, it sometimes can be very limiting to put a definition on it. Yeah. Because what do you do when a person who is a street child, for example, who doesn't, hasn't really been trafficked, mm -hmm. hasn't really you know, had any sort of sexual exploitation, for example, but you know that there's somebody who is suffering in, mm -hmm. in some way or another. Mm -hmm. um, and is vulnerable to it as well. Vulnerability, mm -hmm. exactly. It's to be unable to... It's not just about being in exploitation, is that how vulnerable are you to it? So thank exactly, you for saying yeah. that. It's exactly that, that like, how? where do you target? Where do you intervene? Mm -hmm. And so that's where... You know, again, I think Hope for Justice is doing a lot of things right in that regard, that we're, we're doing the prevention work, we're doing the identification and rescue work, we're doing the restoration work, and then we're also, mm -hmm. you know, all of this is under the broadest umbrella, which is reform, which mm -hmm. is all of these things put together help us to reform society and change, mm -hmm. change lives, and not, not just individual lives, but our own lives, and, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> change things for the better in general mm -hmm. to tackle this massive problem, which is just pervasive beyond mm -hmm. beyond reason definitely and yeah. i think it, it takes that kind of collaborative effort as well to make sustainable lasting change as yeah. well um brilliant well we're gonna pivot the conversation a little bit sure um because this week is our international women's day week mm -hmm. um so we've been celebrating by sharing lots of different resources you know we've had our video from um art therapy in cambodia we've mm -hmm. had some articles and videos about our self-help groups in Ethiopia and Uganda mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff you've already talked about, which is fantastic. So our mm -hmm. listeners can go and go and watch that and read our articles as well, which is fantastic if they want to learn more about those specifically. Yeah. Um, but pivoting now to, to talk a little bit about um, International Women's Day and about um, what we are working on there. Um, I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about you personally and about working in your field um, are there many other women in your field? Um, how does it how does it look? How did it look getting into that field? Because I know 
working with, with data and numbers, it unfortunately is quite underrepresented. So yeah. what's been your experience with that? I think um, that's such a good question. And I, I, I actually have a harder time thinking of men who are in my field than mm, women. Wow. Okay. Um, because it's, I feel like evaluation is that absolute sweet spot, mm -hmm. you know, um, for me personally, where I'm, I'm good at math, but not great at it. Mm. I'm good at um, critically analyzing things. I'm very good at spotting patterns and, you know, that side of that side of things. And in the field, um, when I first started, this is now, ooh, <laughs> just the age is coming back to me again. Mm -hmm. um, I have been doing evaluation for learning uh, for 2010, so 13 years mm -hmm. now um, it has been. And in that time, um, I have seen more women in the field than I have men. Um, which is, it was always encouraging for me, you know, mm -hmm. my first manager, um, and my first director when I worked for, it was a Canadian federal government, mm -hmm. um, uh, it was a Canadian federal government department that I worked in and, you know, it was dominated by women. Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved that <laughs> because mm -hmm. I think when you're first starting out in your career, not just being a woman, but being a person of color, being an immigrant in Canada, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's there, there are layers upon layers. And these are things that, um, can be barriers if you're not well supported. Mm -hmm. And I think what has been incredible for me is the level of support that I've that I've received, not just from from women in my field, but just people in general, my family, my friends. Um, this was a field that I didn't even know existed until I was 20 years old. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, so for me, it's, it's, it's just been incredible. You know, even if I just look around in our organization right now, our USA meal manager is a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm a woman. Um, you know, uh, Ma Michelle is a woman, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of our leadership across, across the globe is, is women. You know, we've got Florence, Maggie, mm -hmm. Sarah Butler. Mm -hmm. We had, you know, there's so many people, um, who are in these positions that are such strong and I, I'm sorry it sounds so cliche to say such strong women but they really are yeah it shouldn't be a cliche I, and, and you know it, it it's just one of those things like I I'm just I feel like my life is saturated with mm -hmm. just incredible women who are doing incredible things um, and mm -hmm. even in our collaboration with other organizations you know with the Rights Lab it's a female dominated team mm -hmm. uh, their whole team mm -hmm. is women mm -hmm. and their M&E person is is one of my favorite women because we can totally nerd out about these mm -hmm. things and it's the best thing in the world um, and yeah so I just feel like you know the <laughs> feel like the the men you know in our not to say that it's it's only only women uh, mm -hmm. but it's mostly I feel evaluation is a space that that really appeals I think to um, to people who are able to think in multiple ways mm -hmm. and I think you know that we know for a fact that like stem fields and things like that can be dominated by men but I love seeing you know mm -hmm. how things are changing in that direction as well I think that once you encourage people to pursue their excellence and mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really have to do with men or women in that regard but when you pursue when you encourage people to pursue what they're good at rather than what you think they should be doing mm -hmm. it makes a world of a difference mm -hmm. you know if it was up to my family uh or my my, my culture my culture my you know whatever I've grown up with um it was a very weird thing for for me to go into this field you know it was sociology then it was policy and evaluation then it was international development and mm -hmm. then it was 
you know, now I work for an international NGO as a, as a mail manager. And um, it took a lot of time to convince people. Mm -hmm. But all of this to say is that, uh, is that I think that the key is to be well supported in the field by people who are as passionate as you, mm -hmm. who understand the work and who want to see you succeed because you're good at what you do. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that I, I would say that's a big one that, that for me, you know, in my experience, it's, it's been mostly women yeah. and lots of brilliant men as well. I think we've mm -hmm. got a, a couple of male colleagues, um, in, in, uh, you know, Uganda and Ethiopia, um, who are, who are doing a great job, um, mm -hmm. as M&E officers and stuff. But I would say that the leadership at Hope for Justice at this time mm -hmm. in M&E is, um, largely run by women. Mm -hmm. That's great to hear. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it's exciting um, for me. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, um, so our kind of theme at the moment with our International Women's Day campaign yeah. is all around ownership. Um, yeah. You know, taking ownership, um, taking agency, you know, yeah. not just viewing, um, you know, people who are victims of human trafficking as victims, but yeah. as people who, especially afterwards, have gone through that that process are then taking agencies over their over their lives, whether that's through getting their education, starting their yeah. business. We've heard so many fantastic success stories um, all across. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear both, um, maybe any success stories that you've heard in terms of the people that you've, you've worked with and, and learning in your programs, or also you personally and how you've taken ownership in, in your life and in your role. Um, great question. And I, I think, uh, I, how can I not think of an example? I, I think... So I'll start with what I've seen um, and what I've seen, I think, in in our uh, in our programs. Um, I've been to I've been to see our programs in Ethiopia and Uganda mm -hmm. um, more than more than anywhere else. Um, and in Uganda, I had the opportunity to sit in on a, um, a VSLA meeting mm -hmm. and VSLAs for those who don't know are village savings and loans associations. And they're different from self-help groups in that VSLAs operate primarily in um, urban slum communities rather than rural, uh, rural poor communities. Mm -hmm. And the intention is that they're kind of shorter term. Um, it's kind of blitz saving and blitz loans and, and that kind of thing. And um, I, most of the VSLAs were, were the, the VSLA meeting that I went to, most of the people in that, you know, I, for want of a better term, it was kind of a, a makeshift shack um, mm -hmm. in the middle of the slum community um, mm -hmm. with, you know, kind of benches here and there and, and a lot of people. Um, and I remember just being blown away by the amount of women who were there because we understand, you know, that, that women are um, uh, generally face some different barriers and different issues mm -hmm. than men do and the expectations on them and things. But through this VSLA, you know, one of the questions that I had um, that Medina, who is, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put huge props out mm -hmm. here for Medina right now because she runs our prevention program in, in uh, Uganda and she's absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, but she had uh, taken me there and one of the questions I had was, you know, what, what changes have you seen in, in your life mm -hmm. um, as a result of being involved in this VSLA? And a couple of the a couple of the women there, you know, they volunteered and they said, oh, well, one of them had said, uh, I think her name was Josephine. Um, she had said that she was able to open a fruit stand mm -hmm. um, and that she she was able to bring in more money for her family and that, you know, she was able to feed her kids more and do things like that. Mm -hmm. Then another uh, young younger woman, she can't have been more than like 20 or 21. She had like, I think, three children um, mm -hmm. and she had started a hairdressing business out of her own home. Mm -hmm. um, and then another woman who was a friend of hers 
had started a kind of a nanny business to look after the children. Mm -hmm. And it was just what I started to see was it, I, I, it's such a, you know, those like those maps that kind of light up. Mm -hmm. Like what I started to see was, oh, it's not just about individual success, but everybody's helping each other out. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have, when you have something like a, like a project that you're supporting as Hope for Justice, for example, the VSLAs, when you have something like that, that enables communities to come together and then they take ownership of their own, mm -hmm. um, of their own lives in a lot of ways, you know, there's no handouts here. Exactly. There's, there's no cash transfers. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like that. It's just really humbling and beautiful to see that people want the best for themselves and they're not looking for handouts and they want things they want to build by themselves and i and i just i loved seeing that so mm -hmm. that would be probably my best example that i've seen myself mm -hmm. and then um my own personal experience that i would i would just say is that i i really just chalk it down to an incredible amount of support mm -hmm. and um um and not just not just in that but you know my own ability and finally being able to recognize that that yeah, like I, I'm really good at what I do, mm -hmm. and and it's it's weird. It feels weird to say it because you're you know again as women, I think a lot of the mm -hmm. times it's like oh you, in it the culture is very much more oh humility and you mm -hmm. know be understated and this mm -hmm. and that. But you know if I can do my job exactly better than another person, mm -hmm. then I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Yeah, <laughs> like, as you should, as you should for yeah, sure. Because I think I think there's so many elements right there's there's the there's the emotional and the psychological about how i feel about myself and mm -hmm. how what i feel i can achieve mm -hmm. there's the external element of the validation that you get from like your grades or your mm -hmm. you know um promotional opportunities at work or any mm -hmm. kind of positional things mm -hmm. and then there's everything else mm -hmm. <laughs> so for me those are the two that are most important is that how do i feel about myself mm -hmm. and how how can i continue to feel good about myself without relying too heavily on the external validation. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's great to have, you know, people telling you you're doing a great job and, and all of those things. But I think the power for me comes from this knowledge of like, you know, I'm, I'm naturally a very curious person. Mm -hmm. I always have been since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So being able to take that natural curiosity and turn it into a career is yeah. just like the best thing in the world. Um, I just love it. Like I'd mm -hmm. love asking the questions and the way that I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I feel like I drive my friends nuts sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, because they'll be like, Oh, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And I don't know, what's your advice? And I'm like, okay, well, what are the outcomes of this thing? That you're <laughs> it's like risk analysis. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like a theory of change for your mm -hmm. life. Let me Got help a contingency you. Contingency plan already. Oh, it's so wild. Um, mm -hmm. But but yeah, I think I think for me, you know, um, it really just comes from an incredible amount of support and, mm -hmm. you know, um, belief in myself that, that, hey, it's not by fluke. You mm -hmm. know, oftentimes there's a, there's this, especially with women, every woman that I know mm -hmm. who is in my circle, who is, highly highly educated mm -hmm. doing incredible things they have had at one point or another this moment of oh i, I don't do i deserve this mm -hmm. and in and and that imposter syndrome yeah. of like do i really deserve to belong here and did i really earn it and mm -hmm. for me like the biggest thing is to just be like yeah you did mm -hmm. your name is on that degree mm -hmm. your name is on that roster for your job your name is on this or that project like yeah. i think it's it's one of the most unfortunate things that women um, and a lot of people I, mm -hmm. I don't want to just put say women because mm -hmm. I know a lot of a lot of other people you know all genders men women mm -hmm. who have been through this feeling of inadequacy or 
um, this feeling of imposter syndrome or that they don't deserve something that they worked really hard for. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that you just have to, you just have to look at the evidence, right? <laughs> at the mm -hmm. end of the day, that's, that's what I, that's what I help people to do in my, in my circle to say, well, here's all of the things that you've done in your life so far. And it's mm -hmm. not just about your achievements and oh, you got a degree and you did this and you make this much money and blah, blah, and you're, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's about how you were able to navigate the challenges that came with all of that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, mental health issues, especially in the past couple of years are just skyrocketed, yeah. you know, the doubts and the fear and the productivity and all of this. I think that after, after the past two years and, and my own experience with my mental health completely just mm -hmm. declining, going through a total burnout, mm -hmm. I think that being able to then rally and come back mm -hmm. without pushing myself too hard to say that, you know what, you've done a really good job so far. Mm -hmm. It's okay that you needed a break. Mm -hmm. Nobody died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing went wrong, mm -hmm. nothing went belly up. And you were still able to come back and still have the level of respect and support that you needed in order to continue to thrive in your work. Mm -hmm. And I think that we put too much pressure on ourselves in so many ways to just produce, produce, produce without thinking about the fact that, you know, being able to push through the hardest parts of our lives, the, the darkest places in our minds is just as much of a strength as your, you know, standardized test score or the degree that you got. Definitely. I think when you're talking about that kind of overwhelming aspect as well, I think a lot of people look at the numbers and they look at the figures of, you know, 49.6 million people trapped in, in modern slavery and, and human trafficking. And it, it feels overwhelming. It feels like, oh, well, what can I, as an individual, do about that? That's, mm. that's such a huge number. Um, so the question I'll, I'll ask you then is, within your, your role of, of using monitoring and evaluation within your programs and looking really into that kind of critical analysis, yeah. um, what would you advise people to, to, to do to not feel overwhelmed, to feel like they're still making a difference and making an impact um, in terms of, um, you know, still making that small change? Yeah. Um, I think for me, a little bit of overwhelm is actually kind of good mm -hmm. um, in the sense that it might propel you to take action. Mm -hmm. It might um, shock you into realization mm -hmm. um, and it might motivate you to do something. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, we all have those moments. I've had those moments where I think, oh my God, this is never going to end and what's the point and I should just go and live on an island and just forget <laughs> about it. But I think, <laughs> totally impractical, and unfortunately <laughs> I'm a, quite a practical person and probably get really bored on an island. Um, uh, I think there are so many things that a person can do. Uh, so number one would be, you know, give whatever it is that you can to a cause that you believe in. So mm -hmm. whether that's money, whether that's your skill, whether that's your time, mm -hmm. give to that whatever you believe in, especially if it's modern slavery and you know, I'm assuming people who are listening right now are into modern slavery and mm -hmm. wanting to tackle it. So give to it, you know, volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Just recently I have um, been very successful in, in securing a volunteer to help me with the data, mm -hmm. um, a data side of things and how to present our information better and mm -hmm. what to do. And so there's always ways to get involved in, especially with the way that things are right now, cost of living and all of this stuff. If you can't give money, then give part of yourself mm -hmm. if you can afford to, you yeah. know. The second thing would be to um, educate yourself and just mm -hmm. learn. So attend seminars, attend um, information sessions, do whatever you can um, to learn more about how you can give 
more of yourself into this thing. Mm -hmm. And then the third would just be to talk to more people, you know, get on LinkedIn and mm -hmm. see, you know, if there's organizations that you're interested in. So many times I've, I've, when I was trying to figure out what's happening in this field and because it was brand new for me, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just wanted to connect with people and to understand the issues and to know more. So I, I, real, I realized that a lot of it is, it's just interrelated. Get mm -hmm. more information, then do what you can. Mm -hmm. It sounds really simple, but I think it is the most simple way that I could put it mm -hmm. because that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. I got the information that I needed um, and then I, I changed my actions based on that. I didn't, I didn't uh, plan to work for an anti-slavery organization. Mm -hmm. It just happened because mm -hmm. when I was doing my, um, when I was doing my evaluation degree, it was after that, it was being in that evaluation space that I thought, oh, I, I really want to use this for human development. Mm -hmm. And then I couldn't get a job in human development without studying international development, so I did that. And then I understood that in international development, some of these key underlying issues mm -hmm. are the ones that are causing things like modern slavery to thrive. Mm -hmm. And so now it's, it's, so that then propelled me into the field. So that's all it is, mm -hmm. is that to learn about the issues or becoming becoming aware of the issues, whether that's through a little bit of overwhelm, it was like, oh my gosh, this mm -hmm. problem is so significant. Mm -hmm. What can I do about it? Mm -hmm. And so my answer to that was, well, I can help the people who are helping the people. Mm -hmm. I always see evaluation as an enabler of change, mm -hmm. not, a, not a direct proponent of change. Mm -hmm. So where on, our, on the ground, our staff are doing the work and everything, I can help them to do their jobs better. Yeah if they choose to through the tools that we develop together. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't take any, uh, there's no sense of like, oh, I saved a life today, I did this thing. I think it's more around, I want to make sure that whatever we do as an organization mm -hmm. helps as many people it, it can in the best ways possible. Mm -hmm. So coming back to your question, sorry, mm -hmm. I went a bit on, on a bit of a tangent there. But um, I think what anybody can do uh, to make changes is, again, give a part of yourself, educate yourself, and then connect with people who you think might know more than you about it. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Well, that is a fantastic piece of advice to take <laughs> away. I think we will leave it there. And thank you so much for, no for coming in today and sharing your, your experience and your insights with us. Oh, no problem. Pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in as always. Um, if you have any comments or questions about this topic or any of the others that we've covered in previous episodes, please let us know as we'd love to hear it. If you're enjoying this series so far, please let us know wherever you're watching from. We've got lots more episodes coming soon, so stay tuned, but for now, see you next time.